0: Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Dream Big My Friend podcast. This is your host, Francis Fidakopi, and today we're going to be talking about 10 things that I do that makes my relationship a hundred times easier. I'm brave enough to say that it probably makes my relationship actually a thousand times easier. So if you have listened to episode 183, It's where I shared with you the best advice that I had after 20 years of marriage. And for this episode today, I have not referenced what we spoke about in that previous episode. I literally got out the whiteboard and wrote down today. Like whatever came out of my brain or went onto this whiteboard. And it was so interesting because I had my daughter here with me when I was doing it. And it was interesting to see how much she agreed with every point that I was writing down. It's like, yeah, yeah, we definitely do that. You definitely do that in your relationship. We definitely do that in our family because interestingly enough, like how you show up in one area of your life often impacts the way you show up in all the others. Now, I do want to say something really important before we dive on in. I know that when I was younger, I used to think, oh, it's so easy for people to have really great marriages because their parents were really happily married. It's almost like living in the Brady Bunch. Of course, they're going to be creating these incredible relationships themselves. So with my parents, they've been married. It's going to be 50 years this year. But I don't think that I ever used their marriage. Other than the commitment aspect, I don't think that I ever used them as a model of a great relationship. From them, I feel like i learned... So many things that, like, that I didn't want to replicate in my own marriage. And that's not to say that they have a terrible marriage. It works for them really well, obviously, because they got to 50 years this year. But I say this only in case you two have parents who you feel like didn't set the best example for what a marriage looks like. Maybe your parents got divorced. Maybe there was abuse in the relationship. Whatever the case... I always knew that when I grew up, when I became an adult, and when I got married, I was going to get to do things my own way, that I could learn from all my past experiences, learn from all the different marriages I'd seen in my life growing up, and I could take from what I liked, and I could choose to let go of the things that I didn't like. I was definitely not planning to be a victim of my past or victim of my childhood, repeating mistakes that I did not wish to repeat, okay? Okay. As an adult, I was going to take control and walk into this marriage. When I got married 21 years ago, almost 21 years ago, I was going to create a marriage that worked best for me. And obviously, when I have guidelines that encourage me to show up as the best version of myself, it's going to be positively impacting my partner too, my husband. So number one is pretty simple. It's knowing that we're two holes coming together to marriage, we're not two halves, we're not like two broken pieces that need to be put together to make a whole. I am my own human being, my whole own person, and just the same, my husband's a complete person. He's a whole person, and so when we come together not feeling like we need to complete each other, we're already complete. It removes all the drama and also removes that expectation that my husband is there to make me happy. So no, no, I'm my own whole person and I'm responsible for my own thoughts because remember, your thoughts are going to lead to happiness. That's the only thing that can generate happiness in you is the thoughts that you have about the situation in your life, which just leads me to number two, knowing that I'm responsible to fill my own cup. So when I'm tired, I need to rest. When I'm experiencing negative emotions, I need to feel those emotions and really manage them well. I have to make sure that I'm making time for me time. So I need to fill my cup so that when I come to the relationship, I'm not expecting my husband to fill up for me. So I just already know that it's my job. And that's not to say that I can't turn to my husband for support and I will vent to him or whatever, all the things. He's there as a sounding board, and that's fantastic. But in terms of like thinking that he's there to save me or that he has to solve my problems, I never give him that responsibility. I know that it belongs to me. Number three is appreciating our personal contribution, okay, so no comparing. So I had to keep this in mind definitely when I was a stay-at-home mom. I feel like if you're a stay-at-home mom or back when I was, I know that I was responsible for the household chores and I took care of the kids. That was my role while he went out to work. And then whenever he'd come home from work, I know that it was definitely moments that I'd like to look at him and feel slightly resentful. It's like, why does he get to sit down while I still am running around like a headless chicken taking care of everything in the house? And the thing that helped me in those moments was actually appreciating his contribution to the family. Like he wakes up super early to go to work. He works hard when he's at work. And that doesn't take away from the fact that I work hard too. But things definitely shifted when I started to not see it as a competition. It's like, who's doing more well for the family? It's like, it's not like that. We are both on the same team. I'm gonna put in 150% when I can, and he will do the same in his own special way. And the way that he contributes to the family might not look exactly like mine, and that's okay. with two individuals it's totally fine. And I know I'm gonna chat later about showing gratitude, but for me, stopping to appreciate the contributions that we both make to the family, even my husband is sitting down and having a rest and doing nothing recovering from his day at work. That is contributing this really positive vibe to the house. It's giving me permission to have a rest. If you often find yourself feeling resentful to your partner, I want you to just pull out a piece of paper and I challenge you, like write it down, write down in what ways your partner actually does contribute to the family. Okay, what are you missing? What are you overlooking? I think it's really important to understand that you are supposed to be on the same team, on the same side. It is definitely not a competition. Number four, this is my favorite, probably out of everything on the list, is agreeing to disagree. This is probably why my husband and I so rarely have arguments. It's really funny because when I was writing this, list, my daughter goes, what do you and dad fight about? Like, I never see you fight. And it's because I've just chosen to agree to disagree. Like, he thinks lots of different things for me. And I know in the past, like, I could have had a little squabble about it and had a little argument, but I just have decided... He's allowed to have his opinions, and I'm allowed to have my own opinions. And if I can say that those two opinions are going to clash, I just say those words. Let's just agree to disagree. And we let it go. And I also, honestly, I don't even think about it. It's just like I, when I say that i agree to disagree, I really mean it. So let it go and move on. Number five is showing gratitude and affection. So many of us don't always make it obvious how much we appreciate our partners. Honestly, it takes how long? How long does it take to say those words, thank you? My husband's mowed the lawn, I'll just say thank you. It's brought in the laundry, I'll just say thank you. It's just like super simple. Another weird thing is that like 20 years into our marriage or 23 years together, heading towards 24, I've never read that book about love languages. I would have not the faintest idea what my love language is or what his is, and we still work. And I think there could be a love language and to do with is it words of affirmation? Like whether that's your love language or not. I think we all appreciate being appreciated, and it is so simple to show our gratitude, show affection, and also just assume the best of our partners. Like assume they're doing the best. I mean, isn't that better than just assuming the worst of them? Hey, my friend, I just wanted to pop in and say that if you listen to this podcast and ever think, oh my gosh, I really wish that I could get some one-on-one help actioning out all these ideas, I have the best news for you. Did you know that I'm now offering private coaching? So if you feel like you would benefit from some one-on-one support and guidance and accountability from me, your very best and biggest cheerleader, make sure to check out my Dreaming to Doing coaching experience. Or if you prefer to start small, feel free to dive into one of my mini-courses, which I've created just for you. Now, these courses are going to help you show up in your life and in your business and in your family as the very best version of yourself, so you can freely ditch all the mind drama and grab the tools that you need to help you not just dream bigger, but to live life with more clarity and intention, starting today. So you can find the link to my coaching program and courses inside the podcast description and I sincerely look forward to connecting with you on a deeper level. Number six is consider the positive flip side of the negatives. So I found this really interesting. I learned this like many years ago. It was when my kids were still young. So maybe it was like 15 years ago, let's just say. And I remember learning that every personality trait is almost like the flip side of a coin. It's got the positive and negative benefits. So you could have, let's just say, a personality trait of being really lazy, okay? That's what we think it to be, a negative thing. But on the other side, the flip side of it is that often someone who's really lazy could be considered to be really laid back and carefree. It's like all good, like And then you could have someone who's really productive. That could be the personality trait, just being productive. But on the flip side of that coin, you might find that someone who's super productive, doesn't have an off switch, doesn't know how to relax, doesn't know how to rest and unwind, might be a little bit more high strung. I mean, they're not the best examples. But I've definitely chosen to think okay, it's an intentional choice that I have made. And any of the negative traits that I might find in my partner, I mean I we can all find them if we go looking for it. I always consider no, there's got to be a positive to this. There's a positive to every negative. That's the way things work in life. Now for number seven, truly commit if you've chosen to be committed. So if you're married, you said those marriage vows, you know what, you know how they go through ups and downs, thickness and theme. I've just chosen to be committed to the relationship. I love this saying. I think it's like happiness always comes after you commit as opposed to preceding commitment. A lot of people think that they've got to be happy first and then they're going to commit. It's the other way around. When you 100% commit to anything, whether it's your marriage or your business, whatever goal you are after, when you make that commitment and when you are deciding ahead of time that you're not going to give up, you're going to go through ups and downs, you're going to go through all those obstacles and you are just going to always find a solution to every problem that you have, when you are that strong in your commitment, that's when happiness comes. And I've chosen to commit to being committed. So what this eliminates from your life is like if someone was to have a fight and it's like, oh, they made me angry. Should I leave? Should I stay? You Take that all away. Okay, you take that away. It's not an option. You've committed to being committed. You're committed to finding a solution. You're committed to making it work. Number eight, or the eighth thing that I do that makes my relationship a hundred times easier is you just set and honor your boundaries. You don't have to love everything that your partner loves. You don't have to agree with everything that your partner agrees with. And when it comes to boundaries, your boundaries could look completely different from his and that's okay. But I think that it's important that if you have any boundaries, you voice what they are And you just say, I'm sticking to these. Now, it's actually been so long since my husband's ever crossed a boundary. So I don't even have an example to share with you within my own marriage. But I do have one example that I want to share with you. It was just from my friendship circle. I think that I was actually just going out with my husband then. And my husband's not even part of his story. But I remember like away somewhere. And I had a friend who had been drinking. And he wanted to drive us home. And this was just a boundary that I'd set. So I was back in my 20s back then and there were a few things that I wasn't going to tolerate. I wasn't going to tolerate someone speaking really rudely to me. Otherwise, I would just walk out the room and I wasn't going to get into the car with someone who'd had any alcohol because I just it was a boundary that I did not want to cross. And I remember everyone else just piling in the car and saying, he's only had a few drinks. It's fine. He can drive. But I didn't want to cross that boundary. I got on the train. I came back to Sydney. And I remember I didn't have any drama about the situation. I was totally fine with getting on that train. I think the train was actually like two hours long. And all my friends came back to Sydney way before me. But I was fine with that because I knew what my boundaries were. I'd set them. I wanted them. I respected the fact that I didn't feel comfortable with that. And I guess in my marriage, the same principle will apply. Okay, so I'm going to set my boundaries. I'm going to honor them. I'm going to say what they are. And if they get crossed... I'll let it be known that that doesn't make me feel comfortable and I'll do whatever it takes for me to feel comfortable as a result. And now for number nine when it comes to 10 things that I do that makes my relationship 100 times easier is that I know that my partner is just a human, a normal human with a human brain. So many of us probably wish that our partners were like robots. They would do exactly what we want them to do and they should think the way that we want them to think and behave the way we want them to behave. But they're just a normal human. I like the fact that I'm a normal human. My husband's a normal human too. He has a normal human brain, which means that he's going to have up days and down days. He's going to feel all the negative emotions. He's going to sometimes be pissed off, just like I'm sometimes pissed off. He's sometimes going to feel really frustrated and tired, just like how I'm sometimes frustrated and tired. And I don't have an issue with that. He's just a normal human. He's got a human brain, which leads me to tip number 10. Think about how you want to show up during those human moments. So where my husband is being a totally normal human, he's at work right now, he's going to come home, he's going to be tired, he might be pissed off. That's okay. He's allowed to be that. How do I want to show up? I know that it's definitely not useful for me to react or think that his behavior means anything about me. Never does. I choose not to take things personally. I choose not to get offended. I choose instead to think about how I want to show up, which normally includes with compassion, with understanding, just giving someone a break, assuming the best of them, not comparing them to any expectations that I have in my head that he should behave in any particular way because we're two partners on this journey together. He's not my servant or my guinea pig and he's not existing purely to make me happy because I've already said I'm responsible for my own happiness. But really, this final tip actually applies to every relationship you have in your life. How do you want to show up with your parents? How do you want to show up with your siblings? How do you want to show up with your kids? How do you want to show up with your partner? When they are being a totally normal human being, when you are giving them the benefit of a doubt, assuming the best of them, how do you want to show up? So that, that really is it. Pretty simple list, right? Nothing there that's too impressive. And yet when we combine them all together, it definitely makes my relationship a hundred times easier. So let me just quickly run through those ten tips one more time for you. Here's my summary. Number one, I know that my partner and I are two holes coming together. We're not two incomplete hearts. We're complete human beings. And number two is knowing that I'm responsible to fill my own cup. Number three is appreciating that own personal contribution to our family and to our relationship, so no comparing here. Number four is agreeing to disagree. Number five is showing gratitude and affection, just assuming the best of them. Number six is considering the positive flip side of the negatives. Number seven is truly committed. If you've chosen to be committed, you're just going to make that decision. Number eight is setting, setting and honoring your boundaries. Number nine is knowing that your partner is just a normal human being with a human brain. And number 10 is thinking about how you want to show up during those human moments. And that's really it, my friend. 10 things that I do to make my relationship 100 times easier. It's a pretty simple formula, but it definitely works for me. So As always, thank you so much for being here with me. I love you all, and I can't wait to catch you on the next episode. Until then, dream big, my friend.